0: Battle of Armageddon. That's right, everybody out there in Dreamland. It's the Battle of Armageddon. We're not going to worry about an introduction today. We're going to be jumping right into it. There's a lot of talk about. It. Everyone knows this is a broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Text, and thank you all very much for tuning in. A Very important information to bring you up to date on, but everyone obviously knows by the time this is uploaded. It is the Battle of Armageddon kicking off proper. It is the culmination of a Q calendar involving Israel as being last of a very special reason. All of it is coming to fulfillment. If you trusted the plan since 2018, you understand the Q drops were all leading up to this. But I will bring you into a relevancy involving the geopolitical tribal militaries of the area as they've modernized in the last 40 years, 40 years plus, since the most pivotal moment in the Middle East's history, which was not even the Six Days War, or the Yom Kippur War, or the establishment of Israel, although that is obviously responsible for all this, but which was the Iraq War versus Iran in 1980, which caused Iran to view the USA officially as its arch nemesis and true threat to its survival, and which set in motion a master strategy which played out over this 40 plus years to culminate in this one massive uh, raid that pushed 40 miles into Gaza, but which is just the first of the escalating battles to occur which will eventually destroy Israel as a nation playing out into the Battle of Armageddon which seven nations on seven mountaintops around the world will engage in world war and eventually be united into uh, defying and battling a Return of Jesus Christ on the Heavenly Host in the Kingdom of Heaven. Which I understand to be the Ashtar High Command and Solar Warden. But whatever you call it, the events will be the same. That's seven nations on seven mountaintops. As I've already discussed many, many years ago, using probably seven AI's, uh, supercomputer systems to run their warfare, will, um... Unite in rebellion against the Asher High Command against the Solar Warden when it's revealed to them and the breakaway civilization will assume control by destroying their armies thus rendering the great mass of people free and able to survive and thrive in a new world order not the new NWO, the Illuminatist world order But the uh, actual new system of the millennial church and temple, the new kingdom of God, as it returns to earth and as the star brothers from heaven and the angels, uh, who are extraterrestrials, however you interpret that, uh, walk amongst us, teaching us how to live in their ways, the ways of our Lord, Jesus Christ. There is no contradiction in this. I see this fully playing out as the book of Revelations, just in a sense... Of including um, our, our modern parlance and lingual, but because whatever you call it, the concept is ultimately the same in essence. That these heavenly beings, these cosmic beings, these beings of a higher purpose and closeness to a greater proximate truth of how the stars and the earth and everything works, um, who have been battling this great cosmic battle of good and evil against the rebellious and enemy spirit of um, you know of all intelligent life basically like it's, it's an evil inherent to all it is the internal Satan they say antichrist kingdom and it's military masters that will not only seek to destroy mankind in endless strife and warfare but will also unite to fight God in what we know as God and they will call it a demon, they will call it the devil, they will call it the Antichrist, they will call it the false Christ, they will call it Lucifer, they will call it whatever it wants. But in reality, it is Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ return to Earth. And the faithful will know it for what it is. It will appear either as a lion or as a lamb. This begins now, although it has already began. It has began since the first days of man. setting in motion a deterministic cycle of events constantly play out multiple times, mind you, as tests and ages of uh, man and generations were tested through Jerusalem and the establishment of this empire of Jerusalem and various incarnations and various positions, but specifically the city of Jerusalem where it is in the Middle East. This, this has happened before, so we'll, we'll get into it. Um, today's going to be a hybrid episode. I'm going to be discussing uh, first Texas' involvement in this to kind of make that six degrees of Texas thing. Um, this is Sunday's episode, so this is supposed to be about Texas-specific conspiracies, although I know that the urgency of the news and of the uh, modern world events, you know, basically force my hand and into, 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 into you cannot ignore this. This is an extremely important issue. Um, Hilariously enough, everyone's immediately forgotten about the Ukraine and Russia conflict. That's how big it is. This is going to be the, the thing literally everyone is giving their power of attention to. And it will eventually take all precedence in United States discussion, political discussion, etc. over Ukraine. And people forget Ukraine even happened. People forget that Ukraine even happened. So yeah, let's rock on with it. Let's get into it. And then... Um, Try to do this as fast as possible. I know your time is precious. I, know I can talk through this about days and days and days, but I'll try to get to a quick summary of things. Okay, so this is from the... This is from... Um, the Texas perspective in terms of our geopolitical alliance. First and foremost, now, my personal opinion, you know, and I will make this fully clear, is that this is the Battle of Armageddon. It's a much bigger implications than just saying you're for one side or the other. But it'll be very clear that if you've ever listened to this channel, I'm anti-war, I'm anti-Western military industrial complex, I'm anti-NATO, I'm anti-Israel, apartheid state, Already and established for years to discuss that, and you guys don't need me to emphasize or to exclaim excitedly how I feel about this, but it is their revenge. They are not subhuman. The Palestinians are absolutely sovereign and justified, and have been proven so in the UN court. So then I'll be reading a UN no- a news article about the true state of this, right? So it'll be clear how I feel about this. It will be very clear. And you know already, if you are a real listener, how I feel about this. We'll, we'll get into it before. Just the facts. Just the facts. Texas is a state that is deeply, deeply allied to Israel. Texas is a state that has signed into law... With Governor Abbott. Um, I believe it was during Rick Perry. Let me look it up. But it was an anti-boycott law. Against anyone. who To receive state funding. Um, in Texas. Whether a corporation. NGO. An entity of charity. Anyone. Who was critical of Israel. Or chose to boycott Israel's goods or products. They were disqualified by law to receive any kind of state benefits or recognition or sponsorship. Texas has such thing as the Texas-Israel Alliance and its uh, Chambers of Commerce which broker a lot of business between the states, between the state and the country, as well as politically and culturally being almost universally accepted by the ruling conservative class, as well as even the ruling liberal class. It's extremely popular to be supportive of Israel, to have visited Israel if you're a Christian, to consider yourself Judeo-Christian, or to study because Freemasonry owes so much spiritually and culturally to Israel and the fabrication of the state of Zion that is found in the Old Testament in English conversion in English translations of uh, like the King James Version, etc., which were written by Freemasons. While there's only 176,000 Jews, official synagogue functioning Jews in Texas, 176,000, there are over 900 Freemasonic lodges. So in essence, that's how many true uh, are people who sympathize are Zionists because ultimately everyone in Freemasonry takes the same opinion. On the nation state of Israel. Which it should belong to. The Israelis. The Zionists. Who are serving out. Carrying the master plan. To rebuild the third temple. The grand work. Right. So this is no surprise. And this explains entirely. Why for example. There is no similar or proxy law. That protects. Muslims. In Texas. Muslims outnumber. Jews officially 5 to 1 with there being nearly 500,000 official Muslims in Texas compared to the 176,000 official Jews. This is not being insensitive. These are actual census statistics based on populations. Muslims are not an excluded or minority or impoverished society. They are dominant in fields of engineering and law. They hold state senate positions and they are well respected in their communities. I myself have a deep respect for the Muslim community and those who I've met either in college or in my daily life have been nothing but perfectly civil And respectable human beings. Yet they are not protected with an anti boycott law that was signed into law by our Attorney General Ken Paxton, who was a Republican. Texas' anti-boycott of Israel law won a major appeal case against it in the New Orleans Federal Court of Appeals, the Fifth Circuit, on April 18th, 2023 of this year. And even now, federal judges still contend... With lawsuits where state contractors are being violated, their first amendments and their rights, their political rights by the state when they are vying for contracts against other companies who support Israel openly. This was hilariously demonstrated, for example, to the extreme when Texas tells the people who were affected by Hurricane Harvey in 2017 that they would get no Hurricane Harvey aid unless they promised not to boycott Israel. This is from the case Kuntz versus Watson challenged to Kansas law targeting boycotts of Israel from the affiliate the ACLU of Texas. I remember the First Amendment protects Americans' right to boycott and the government cannot condition hurricane relief or any other public benefit or commit to refrain from protected political expression, said the ACLU of Texas Legal Director Andre Segura. It's an egregious violation of the First Amendment reminiscent of McCarthy-era loyalty oaths requiring Americans to disavow membership of the Communist Party and other forms of subversive activity. Right? So, we already have that. So let's read it in further. State to state cooperation of Texas and Israel. Our exports to Israel number almost a billion dollars as of two thousand twenty-two. And this is after a ten percent decrease over the last decade due to the poor economy. Our total exports to Israel since 1996 when records were first being kept are $21 billion worth of goods and services. Israel is Texas' 50th largest trade partner. Keep that in mind. 50th. Not even in the top 20. Let alone the top 10. Let alone not even the top 5. Not top 3. Top 50. But Texas rank as exporter of agricultural goods as well as military equipment and other services. Mostly Toyota vehicles. Puts it at 4th. 4th in terms of Israel's most important trade partners. Texas, the fourth largest export importer and trade ally to Israel. Military contracts Texas has signed with Israel number into the 100 almost 200 million dollars. Keep in mind the Jewish population is only 160, 176,000 uh, people, meaning the Jewish percentage of population is 0.6%. I will make that again. Jewish percentage of population is 0.6%. Grant recipients in Texas from U.S.-Israeli binational binational foundations. So this is money received via rewarding alliances and good practices, good relationships with Israel in Texas. Include Atacom Corporation, Texas A&M University founded... um, Corporation, AGAR Corporation from the University of Texas A&M Research, Baylor Co- College of Medicine, the BMC Software Incorporated, Texas Agricultural Experiment Station, University, uh, Texas A&M University Citrus Center, Brooks Air Force Base, East Texas State University, Electrocom, Texas Agricultural Research and Extension Station, Texas Ag- Engineering Experiment Station, Services for Texas Tech, Texas Tech Medical School, Tracor Aerospace, Fiber Fences Institute, Graphic Sciences Corporation, Harrison Atacom Corp., Exxon Research and Engineering Corp., Siemens Electrical DI, Rice University, Percy's Incorporated, Microdynamics Incorporated, InGrain Incorporated, Harris Atacom Corporation. Methodist Southern Methodist University, Southwest Foundation and Biomedical Research, North Texas University, the University of Texas Medical Department at Anderson Cancer Center, University of Texas Medical Branch, University of Texas Medical School, University of Texas Health Center, University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center, USDA Cropping Systems Research Lab, VTL Corp, and Winds Climate Systems Incorporated. There are programs, the Texas-Israel Chamber of Commerce, Texas-Israeli Exchange Program, texas Bard Program, all for the uh, facilitation of education and business, and the signing of an anti-boycott law by Texas Governor Greg Abbott in 2017. The bill prohibits the state of Texas from contracting or entering into business with companies or entities involved with the Boycott Israel Movement ag- the law ensures the public funds will not go to companies and participate in BDS. To date, they have moved up to $72 million worth of state funding away from companies like Norwegian uh, Financial Services, into different state pensions controlled by pro-Israeli companies. See, this was a way of uh, re-adjusting and integrating their audit to better appease and submit to Israel. This is real. This is fucking crazy. Texas is absolutely one of the closest allies to fucking Israel uh, in the world. And then it just goes into the different details of programs. And then you'll have this. The sister cities. Texas City. All right, Texas Cities uh, and the Israeli sister cities. Big Spring, Texas and sister city Hadera, Israel. And then the Partnership 2000 communities where Texas City's Austin and its counterpart, Israeli City, Western Galilee, Dallas, Western Galilee, Fort Worth, Western Galilee, San Antonio, Western Galilee, and Waco, Western Galilee all officially have diplomatic ties. With cooperative union programs, including Texas A&M's University's Announced Plan it's open Texas A&M Peace University in Nazareth, with Governor Rick Perry and A&M Chancellor joining Israeli President Shimon Peres and Educational Minister Shea Peron for the announcement. The school was to be financed by private donors from Texas and around the world because Texas A&M is prohibited from investing public funds in international campuses. They also built a 6 million dollar marine research center along the Mediterranean Sea in collaboration with the University of Hafa Texas A&M University System Chancellor John Sharp clarified. It is absolutely you know one of the one of the things that it's obvious when you go to any manager in any business like HEB etc and they have their Israeli plaques They, I visited Israel I visited Jerusalem all of that shit right in the open for everyone to see and as I said before most of them are Christian most of them are the Judeo-Christian orthodoxy etc and this is absolutely worshipping a cult of Zionism and Texas is extremely fucking Zionist Right. Texas-Israel alliance is uniquely designed to broker win-win economic and strategic relationships between the Lone Star states, and they consider themselves the Lone Star states. Can't make that shit up, folks. But why this is uh, kind of fucked, I'll be getting into it. It's kind of fucked because the United Nations, Amnesty International, the American Anthropological Society, as well as many, many other major humanitarian groups like the Humanitarian right, uh, Rights Watch, um, UNICEF, all of these charities, NGOs, nonprofit organizations, government watchdog groups, human rights abuse uh, watchdog groups, you know, uh, citizen journalism, active journalism, mainstream journalism, like, uh, everyone has come to the awareness of just how cruelly the Israelis operate, how cruel the entire creation of the Israeli state was and how much provocation to the Palestinian people and how serious of an attack on human dignity itself the occupation of Palestine is with the guilt solely landing on the Zionists both international and in Israel, specifically the ones in Israel, that have created and controlled every every step of this process since its inception in 1947. And even in its planning stages in the 1800s, And everything about it has been a lie. Israel calls these lies, these propaganda efforts, uh Habaras or Habras, H A B A R A S Habaras, and that this is their professional talking points on how to explain what the reality of the situation is in terms that gets them. Profitability and that promotes them positively, but they have always raped and killed and falsely imprisoned and used the, s- the tactics that they blame on the Nazis and Gestapo tactics of a people, a genocidal people, uh, destroying a country, you know, methodically based on racism and um, stealing the wealth and land of a discriminated people based on their religion. Uh, taking what was rightfully theirs and, and, and saying it was their own and, and erasing them from history and raping and, and killing and uh, whole families and, and innocent people, women and children, uh, without with disregard to any right or wrong, just force, and violence, and death. And that has been happening. That has been happening uh, under the Israeli flag. That has been happening in the Israeli name that has been happening to create the Israeli state from its very first uh, wars, uh, the kibbutz, and then um, the very most recent uh, situation right now. Now, if you don't believe me and that opinion, and you think I'm a radical or an anti-Semite by now, let's just read this. United Nations UN News Global Perspective Human Stories. This is from news.un.org. Right? So, this is the UN United Nations website. This is 2022. 2022, March 25th. Israel's occupation of Palestine territory is racist apartheid. UN rights expert. Calling on the international community to accept and adopt the recent findings in his report, an independent human rights expert said on Friday that apartheid is being practiced by Israel in the occupied Palestinian territory. The UN Special Reporters report echoes recent findings by Palestinian, Israeli, and international human rights organizations who analyzed Israel's 55-year occupation of the Palestinian territory. There is today in the Palestinian territory occupied by Israel since 1967 a deeply discriminatory dual legal and political system that privileges the 700,000 Israeli Jewish settlers living in the 300 illegal Israeli settlements in Eastern Jerusalem and the West Bank," said Michael Link, the UN Special rapporteur for the Situation and Human Rights in the Palestinian Territory occupied since 1967. It is an open-air prison. Mentioning the lack of rights of people living in the same vicinity but separated by walls, checkpoints, and roads, Mr. Link acknowledged that there are more than 3 million Palestinians living under an oppressive rule of institutional discrimination and without a path, a genuine Palestinian state that world has long promised as a right Israel's 55-year occupation of Palestine is apartheid, i.e. a political regime intentionally prioritizing fundamental political legal social rights to one group over another in the same space on the basis of racial, national, ethnic identities. Another 2 million Palestinians live in Gaza. Described regularly as an open-air prison without adequate access to electricity, water, or health, I, with a collapsing economy, and with no ability to freely travel to the rest of Palestine or the outside world, he added. He ran through the international understood legal definition of apartheid, a system of institutionalized racial segregation practiced in South Africa prior to its dismantling in the early 1990s. Israel, he said, conforms to the definition as a political regime with so much international and clearly prioritized fundamental political, legal, and social rights to one group over another within the same geographic unit on the basis of one's racial, national, ethnic, and identity. Crime Against Humanity Apartheid is not, sadly, a phenomenon confined to the history books or southern Africa, Mr. Link said in his reports to the Human Rights Council. The 1998 Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court came into law after the collapse of the old South Africa. It is a forward-looking legal instrument which prohibits apartheid as a crime against humanity today and into the future, wherever it may exist. The independent rights expert added that Israel's military rule in the occupied Palestinian territory has been deliberately built with the intention of enduring facts on the ground to demographically engineer a permanent and illegal Israeli sovereign claim over occupied territory while confining Palestinians in a smaller and more confined reserve of disconnected land. Apartheid is not, sadly, a phenomenon the history books on Southern Rights, UN rights expert Michael Link said. He also mentioned that leading international figures, including former UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, South African Foreign Minister Nilada Pondor, and former Israeli Attorney General Michael Ben-Yar have also described Israel's occupation as an racist apartheid. International community's Responsibility Citing inhumane facts, arbitrary and extrajudicial killings, torture, the denial of human fundamental rights and abysmal child mortality rates, collective punishment and abusive military court system and home demolitions, Mr. Link said the international community bears much responsibility for the present situation. For more than 40 years, the UN Secretary, Council and General Assembly have stated in hundreds of resolutions that Israel's annexation of occupied territory is unlawful. Its construction of hundreds of Jewish settlements are illegal, and its denial of Palestinian self-determination breaches international law, he added. The highlighting that no accountability had ever followed, the special repertoire included that international community had truly acted on its resolutions 40 or 30 years ago. We would not be talking about apartheid today. Mr. Link called... On the international community to come up with an imaginative list of effective accountability measures to bring the Israeli occupation and its apartheid practices in the occupied Palestinian territory to a complete end. Special reporters are a part of what's known as the special procedures of the Human Rights Council. They are not UN staff and do not receive a salary for their work and serve in their own individual capacities. And there are many such articles about that. Absolutely, many such articles. So why is Texas supporting what the UN, United Nations, and the International Criminal Court, and such institutions as Amnesty International, World Rights Watch, etc., etc., And many world leaders have already declared to be an apartheid state, a repetition of the racist evil that we saw in South Africa and the caste system of British India, British colonized India, uh, French Indochina, etc. When we know the outcome is the colonizers, the ones ruling the apartheid states are always ousted from power and destroyed through a violent revolution of those they once mastered it's simply for the almighty dollar and for the MKUltra Freemasonic Zionist power structure That Texas needs to take responsibility for. It needs to own up to as being the sovereign capital for the deep state, for the Zionists, as being the Israel of the Gulf Coast. Itself a divided, heavily regulated caste system that violates human rights and is in itself an apartheid state controlled by Freemasons, not on racial lines. Not on ethnic lines, but on religious lines, because this secret society is a religion. It's international, and it is Zionistic, and its enemy is true Islam and the Catholic Church, the Catholic Order, both of which, Catholicism and Islam, still at least profess to worship Jesus Christ. Of which we know the Freemasons cannot stand. They cannot abide. They cannot. They cannot tolerate and coexist with that, that belief. Because Jesus Christ cannot abide the caste system. It cannot. He abides all true equality as children of God not as a rigid system of degreed masters with secret inner knowledge and it seeking to make good men better with acts of faith and, and charity and, and perfecting uh, God's imperfections. No, it's not, it's not that. It is absolutely uh, antithetical to the spiritual structure of both Catholicism and uh, Islam. And Freemasonry seeks to both destroy I mean it has already destroyed Catholicism. Absolutely already destroyed Catholicism. Infiltrated and destroyed Catholicism. Without shadow of a doubt. And has raged war with Islam. I mean that institutionally, I still think the Catholics have a chance to uh, revive themselves. I still think Catholics will survive. I think there will be a great schism inside the Catholic Church. I think they will reject the liberal Catholicism that is occurring currently. Here's Amnesty International though. Remember, Amnesty International was created to support and to never again allow concentration camps and genocide because it was formed after the effects of the Holocaust. It was formed after the Holocaust, as a remembrance to the Holocaust, as a dedication to never allowing it to happen again, to never forgetting that effect. So, ironically, let's just read this. Israel's apartheid against Palestinians, a cruel system of domination, and a crime against humanity. Israeli authorities must be held accountable for committing the crime of apartheid against Palestinians, Amnesty International said today in a damning new report. This was from... February 1st, 2022 The investigation details how Israeli enforces systems of oppression and domination against Palestinian people wherever it has control over their rights. This includes Palestinians living in Israel and the occupied Palestinian territories the OPT as well as displaced refugees in other countries. The Comprehensive Report, Israel's Apartheid Against Palestinians, Cruel Systems of Domination and Crime Against Humanity, sets out how massive seizures of Palestinian land and property, unlawful killings, forcible transfers, drastic movement restrictions, the denial of national and citizenship to Palestinians, are all components of a system which amounts to apartheid under international law. The system is maintained by violations which Amnesty International found to constitute apartheid as crime against humanity as defined in the Rome Statute and Apartheid Convention. Amnesty International is calling on the International Criminal Court, the ICC, to consider the of crimin- uh, apartheid in its current investigation in the OPT and calls on all states to exercise universal jurisdiction to bring perpetrators of apartheid crimes to justice. Our report reveals the true extent of Israel's apartheid regime. Where they live in Gaza, East Jerusalem, and the rest of the West Bank or Israel itself. Palestinians are treated as an inferior racial group and systematically deprived of their rights. We found that Israel's group policies of segregation, depossession, and exclusion across all territories under its control clearly amount to apartheid. The international community has an obligation to act. Agnes Kalamart, Amnesty International Secretary General. There is no possible justification for a system built around the institutionalized and prolonged racist oppression of millions of people. Apartheid has no place in our world, and states which choose to make allowances for Israel will find themselves on the wrong side of history. Governments who continue to supply Israel with arms and shield it from accountability at the UN are supporting a system of apartheid, undermining the international legal order and exacerbating the suffering of the Palestinian people. The international community must face up to the reality of Israel's apartheid and pursue the many avenues to justice which remain shamefully unexplored. Amnesty International's findings build on a growing body of work by Palestinian, Israeli, and international NGOs who have increasingly applied the apartheid framework to the situation in Israel and are the OPT. Identified Apartheid A system of apartheid is an institutionalized regime of oppression and domination by one racial group over another. It is a serious human rights violation which is prohibited in public international law. Amnesty International's extensive research and legal analysis carried out in consultation with external experts demonstrates that Israel enforces such a system against Palestinians through laws, policies, and practices which ensure that prolonged and cruel discriminatory treatment... An international criminal law specific unlawful acts which are committed within a system of oppression and domination with the intention of maintaining it constitute the crime against humanity of apartheid. These acts are set out in the apartheid convention and the Rome Statute, and include unlawful killing, torture, forcible transfer, and denial of basic rights and freedoms. Amnesty International documented acts prescribed by the Apartheid Convention and Rome Statute in all areas Israel controls, and though they occur more frequently and violently in the OPT than in Israel. Israeli authorities enact multiple measures to deliberately deny Palestinians their basic rights and freedoms, including draconian movement restrictions in the OPT, chronic discriminatory underinvestment in Palestinian communities in Israel, and the denial of refugees' right to return to their country. The report also documents forcible transfers, administrative detentions, torture, and unlawful killings in both Israel and the OPT. Amnesty International found that these acts form part of a systematic and widespread attack directed against the Palestinian population and are committed with the intent to maintain the system of oppression and domination. They therefore constitute the crime against humanity of apartheid. The unlawful killing of prote- Palestinian protesters is perhaps the clearest illustration of how Israeli authorities use prescribed acts to maintain their status quo. In 2018, Palestinians in Gaza began to hold weekly protests along the border with Israel, calling for the right of return for refugees and an end to the blockade. Before protests even began, senior Israeli officials warned that Palestinians approaching the wall would be shot. By the end of 2019, Israeli forces had killed 214 civilians, including 46 children. In light of the systematic unlawful killings of Palestinians documented in its report, Amnesty International is also calling for the UN Security Council to impose a comprehensive arms embargo on Israel. This should cover all weapons and munitions as well as law enforcement equipment. Given the thousands of Palestinian civilians who have been unlawfully killed by Israeli forces, the Security Council should impose targeted sanctions such as asset freezes against Israeli officials most implicated in the crime of apartheid. Palestinians treated as demographic threats Since its establishment in 1948, Israel has pursued a policy of established and then maintaining a Jewish demographic majority and maximizing control over land and resources that benefit Jewish Israelis. In 1967, Israel extended this policy to the West Bank and Gaza Strip. Today, all territories controlled by Israel continue to be administered with the purpose of benefiting Jewish Israelis to the detriment of Palestinians, while Palestinian refugees continue to be excluded. Amnesty International recognizes that Jews, like Palestinians, claim a right to self-determination and does not challenge Israel's desire to be a home for Jews. Similarly, it does not conclude or consider that Israel labeled itself a Jewish state is itself indication or of intent to oppress and dominate. However, Amnesty International's report shows that successive Israeli governments have considered Palestinians a demographic threat and imposed measures... to control and decrease their presence and access to land in Israel and the OPT. These demographics aims and illustrated by official plans to Judaize areas in Israel and the West Bank, including East Jerusalem, which continued to put thousands of Palestinians at risk of forcible transfer or removal from lands. Oppression without borders. The 1947, 1949, and 1967 wars, Israel's ongoing military rule of the OPT and the creation of separate legal and administrative regimes within the territory have separated Palestinian communities and segregated them from Jewish Israelis. Palestinians have been fragmented geographically and politically and experienced different levels of discrimination depending on their status and where they live. Palestinian citizens in Israel currently enjoy greater rights and freedoms than their counterparts in the OPT, while the experience of Palestinians in Gaza is very different to that of those living in the West Bank. Nonetheless, Amnesty International research shows that all Palestinians are subject to the same overarching systems. Israel's treatment of Palestinians across all areas is pursuant of the same objective, to privilege Jewish Israelis in distribution of land and resources and to minimize the Palestinian presence and access to those lands." Amnesty International demonstrates that Israeli authorities treat Palestinians as an inferior racial group who are defined by their non-Jewish Arab status. This racial discrimination is cemented in laws, which affect Palestinians across Israel and the OPT. For example, Palestinian citizens of Israel are denied a nationality, for establishing a legal differentiation from Jewish Israelis, the Western Bank in Gaza, where Israel has controlled the population registry since 1967. Palestinians have no citizenship and most are considered stateless, requiring ID cards from the Israeli military to live and work in their territories. Palestinian refugees and their descendants who were displaced in the 1947-1949 and 1967 conflicts continue to be denied the right to return to their former places of residence. Israel's exclusion of refugees is a flagrant violation of international law which has left millions in perpetual limbo of forced displacement. Palestinians in annexed East Jerusalem are granted permission and permanent resident status ahead of citizenship, although this status is permanent in the name only. Since 1967, more than 14,000 Palestinians have had their residency revoked at the discretion of the Ministry of the Interior, resulting in their forcible removal outside the city. Lesser Citizens Palestinian citizens of Israel, who comprise about 19% of the population, face many forms of institutionalized discrimination. In 2018, discrimination against Palestinians was crystallized in the constitutional law, which for the first time has Israel exclusively as the nation-state of the Jewish people. The law also promotes the building of Jewish settlements and downgrades Arabic status as an official language. The report documents how Palestinians are effectively blocked from leasing and 80% of Israel's state land as a result of racist land seizures in a web of discriminatory laws and land allocations, planning, and zoning. The situation in the Nagib-Nakib region of southern Israel is a prime example of how Israel's planning and building policies intentionally excluding Palestinians. Since 1948, Israeli authorities have adopted various policies to Judaize the Nagib-Nakib including designated large areas as a National Reserve or military firing zone, and setting targets for increasing the Jewish population. This has had devastating consequences for the tens of thousands of Palestinian Bedouins who live in the region. 35 Bedouin villages, home to about 68,000 people, are currently unrecognized by Israel, which means they were cut off from the national electricity and water supply and targeted for repeated demolitions. As the villages have no official status, their residents also face restrictions on political participation and are excluded from the healthcare and educational systems. These conditions have coerced many into leaving their homes and villages in what amounts to forcible transfer. Decades of deliberate, unequal treatment of Palestinian citizens of Israel have left them consistently economically disadvantaged in comparison to Jewish Israelis. This is exacerbated by blatantly discriminatory allocations of state resources. A recent example is the government's COVID-19 recovery package, of which just 1.7% was given to Palestinian local authorities. Dispossession The dispossession and displacement of Palestinians from their homes is a crucial pillar of Israel's apartheid system. Since its establishment in Israeli state has enforced massive and cruel land seizures against Palestinians and continues to supplement and implement myriad laws and policies to force Palestinians into small enclaves. Since 1948, Israel has demolished hundreds of thousands of Palestinian homes and other properties across all areas under its jurisdiction and effective control. As in the Nagib and Naqib, Palestinians in East Jerusalem and an area a sea of the OPT live under full Israeli control. The authorities deny building permits to Palestinians in these areas, forcing them to build illegal structures which are demolished again and again with bulldozers. The settlements today cover 10% of the land in the West Bank and some 38% of Palestinian land in East Jerusalem was expropriated between 1967 and 2017. Settler organizations with the full backing of the Israeli government work to displace Palestinian families and hand their homes to settlers. One such neighborhood, the Sheikah Jarrah, has been the site of frequent protests since May of 2021, as families battle to keep their homes under the threat of settler lawsuits. This coupled with draconian movement restrictions. Since the mid-1990s, Israeli authorities have imposed increasingly stringent movement restrictions on Palestinians in the OPT, a web of military checkpoints, roadblocks, fences, and other structures control the movement of Palestinians within the OPT and restricts their travel into Israel or abroad. A 700-kilometer fence, which Israel is still extended, has isolated Palestinian communities inside military zones, and they must obtain multiple special permits anytime they enter or leave their home. In Gaza, more than 2 million Palestinians live under Israeli blockade, which has created a humanitarian crisis. It is near impossible for Gazans to travel abroad or into the rest of the OPT, and they are effectively segregated from the rest of the world. For Palestinians, the difficulty of traveling within and out of the OPT is a constant reminder of the powerlessness. As every move is subject to the Israeli military's approval, and the simplest daily task means navigating a web of violent control. The permit system in the OPT is emblematic of Israel's brazen discrimination against Palestinians. While Palestinians are locked in a blockade, stuck for hours at checkpoints or waiting for yet another permit to come through, Israeli citizens and settlers can move around as they please. Amnesty International examined each of the security justifications which Israel cites as basis for its treatment of Palestinians. The report shows that while some of Israel's policies may have been designed to fulfill legitimate security objectives, they have been implemented in a grossly disproportionate and discriminatory way, which fails to comply with international law. Other policies have absolutely no reasonable basis in security and are clearly shaped by the intent to oppress and dominate the population. What is the way forward? Amnesty International provides numerous specific recommendations for how the Israeli authorities can dismantle the apartheid system peacefully and end the discrimination, segregation, and oppression which sustain it. The organization is calling for an end to the brutal practice of home demolitions and forced evictions as the first step. Israel must grant equal rights to all Palestinians in Israel and the OPT in line with the principles of international human rights and humanitarian law. It must recognize the right of the Palestinian refugees and their descendants and return to homes where they, their families once lived and provide victims of human rights violations and crimes against humanity with full reparations and support. The scale and seriousness of the violations documented in Amnesty International's report call for a drastic change in the international community's approach to the human rights crisis in Israel and in Palestine. All states must exercise universal jurisdiction over persons reasonable or suspecting of crimes committing, or committing the crimes of apartheid under international law, and states that are part of the apartheid convention have an obli- obligation to do so. The international response to apartheid must no longer be limited to bland condemnations and equivocating. Unless we tackle the root causes, Palestinians and Israelis will remain locked in the cycle of violence, which has destroyed so many lives. Israel must dismantle the apartheid system and start treating Palestinians as human beings with equal rights and dignity. Until it does, peace and security will remain a distant prospect for Israelis and Palestinians alike. And I couldn't have agreed more. And any man with a heart in his chest or a brain in his head would see that. And remember, because if you've read the news on your own or followed the trend, that that was the trend in the counterculture woke movement of the world, the anti-war movement of the world. And has been since the 1990s free Palestine stop restricting their population their civilian populations for the perceived threat against the you by their own resistance fighters which you declare they were terrorists and the insurmounting casualties that were occurring during operations airstrikes, on Gaza for the last 20 years. I have a list right here for casualties for those who don't know the actual figures and think that this was an equal tit-for-tat situation or that Israel was suffering great casualties during all of this time. In 2008, for example, the human cost of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict as documented by the United Nations, was such. Palestine lost 3,202 individuals, while Israel lost 853 in armed conflict. In 2009, Palestine lost 7,460 individuals, civilians and soldiers. Israel lost 123 people to violence. In 2010, Palestine lost 1,659 people Israel lost 185. It was a peaceful year that year. In 2011, Palestine lost 2,260 soldiers and civilians. Israel lost 136. In 2012, Palestine lost 4,936 human beings. Israel lost 578. In 2013, Palestine lost 4,031. Soldiers and civilians. Israel had 157 citizens killed in combat or in terrorist attacks. In 2014, Palestine lost 19,860 human beings, soldiers and civilians, mostly civilians. Israel lost 2,796 of its citizens. 2015, Palestine lost 14,813 soldiers and civilians. Israel lost 339 civilians. In 2016, Palestine lost 3,572 human beings to conflicts with Israel. And Israel exchanged 222, Sorry, 222 total for 2016. In 2017, Palestine lost 8,526 people, soldiers, and civilians, to Israel's 174. In 2018, Palestine lost 31,558 human beings, soldiers, and civilians. Israel lost 130 people. In 2019, Palestine lost 15,628 human beings, soldiers, and civilians, to Israel's 133 lost civilians and soldiers. In 2020, Palestine lost 2,781 human beings, and Israel lost 61. And it's as simple as that. Now I'll be getting into the strategies that are being implemented and what this truly means and the grander strategy, the 5D chess that this world is truly played as by the Illuminati and Intelligentsia on why this is going to be an Israeli defeat, why this is the beginning of the Battle of Armageddon, while this is going to require... Such a massive investment, an entire world war to sustain, and why this isn't your typical flare-up or skirmish, but the beginning of the end of the Western world. So the question arises, why now? Why, in 2023, do we see the Hamas attack? The raids that are propelling forward Into the territory from Gaza This complete surprise In the Israeli uh, forces The full retreat And this mad scramble And the panic The reaction that was legitimate Why now? Uh, you know, what, what changed? What disrupted the status quo? And what are the retaliatory uh, responses going to be? A lot of people have a lot of questions. A lot of people don't understand the severity of this case, how widespread it is. Uh, it's actually multidimensional. It's not like a level of metaphysics, but it's multidimensional politically. It's it's multi-generational. It's multi-decade. It's a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. It's the Book of Revelations. It's the destiny of this this land of Jerusalem. It's a test. It's a repetition of the algorithm and the fall of Jerusalem due to the uh, apostate, uh, corrupted, and hedonistic. Uh, self-identifying Jews, but they are not Jews, they worship at the synagogue of Satan, having taken over the holy lands through force and political means, antichrist means, uh, etc. It's a play as old as time itself, and it's repeating in front of our very eyes, regardless if we want to whitewash it or paint it as, a lionize it here, or like, idolize it, whatever, as uh, Texans or not, or in the world or not, in the western world not, this is going to happen. This is going to be the fall of Israel. This is the beginning of it. This is the start of the fire that will cremate and uh, incinerate the entire temple. The third temple, the third attempt at this Israeli society of, uh, of Jews that control Jerusalem. Many appear confused about this, so let me clarify. The current conflict in Palestine is geopolitical and reflects the consolidation of one of the world's major poles of power. It marks the second stage of the formation of the multipolar world after Russia's SMO in February of 2022. Many peoples tend to focus exclusively on Hamas and the unfolding news of the situation, as this is what reflects the same temporal plane as the strategy being employed. Make no mistakes, this is an unprecedented combined arms operation and nothing in the 21st century comes close to it in the history of the conflict. The fact that it caught the Israelis by surprise should tell you enough. If it caught the Mossad, one of the world's most powerful intelligence agencies by surprise, what makes you think any of these idiot, rightist, grifters know what is yet to come? This was not some random lashing out by Hamas. All this was planned in full coordination with the axis of resistance. And we are not even close to witnessing the full scope and scale. Every possible outcome is taken into consideration. Remember that every time you hear Zionists talk about the big plans the entity has in store to level Gaza, they have done that many times. It never works. Hamas has come out stronger than it ever has, and they have always expected whatever the Zionist entity has in store. Because this isn't just Hamas. This is the entire axis of resistance using Hamas as a spear point centered in Iran. Iran is one of the world's oldest, greatest, and most sophisticated civilizations. It is and always has been an organic civilizational pole in the region. Before the modern era, the sole two powers of the region were the Ottomans and the Persian Safazids, who competed over it. Behind the operation is the cunning, strategic genius, and eschatological materialism of the IRGC. And by the latter, I mean to say that they have combined what is a profound, universal, regional, spiritual vision with the pragmatism, realism, and earthiness of both modern technology and hyper-Klausvitzian, irregular warfare techniques. This war does not have a single location or even a single timeline. The scale at which it is occurring is not immediately perceptible both in space and time. These are the tremors felt by the resurrection of some of the world's most ancient, splendorous, and sublime empires. This is the special military operation of the Middle East civilizations. Likewise, this is not just about Israel. It is the New World Order's last outpost in the region. Israel was the Ukraine of the Middle East, a vain artificial fortress of the Western modernity created to suppress the real and long-dormant powers indigenous to the region. This is a regional revolution that has the potential to culminate in a global war. Russia has awakened ancient powers across the world. This is the end of the Western rules-based order. A order of fear and MKUltra mind control. That was started in World War II. Ironically, with the Holocaust. What we are seeing... is the culmination of 40 years plus, really, this all started, obviously, with the old biblical prophecies, etc. 40 years plus in the modern era. After the defeat of the 1975 you know, incursion in the kibbutz. After the 1975 War of Israel, we see The modern, westernized, relatively peaceful nation of Iran in the history of the world. Singing and dancing in its discos, enjoying its western modernity, bridging the gap between old and new, but independent, surviving on its own. The CIA, ordered by Mossad to create not only inspired by the hostage crisis, but ordered by Mossad to take revenge for what they saw as this great modernity and westernization of Islam, which was com- competition with the Judaification, the atheist, uh, the, the Judaization, as is known, literally as it's known, of the Middle East and the creation of greater Israel decided to use its puppet Saddam Hussein in the Ba'athist regime to attack Iran in the Iraq-Iran War of 1980. This was such a devastating invasion of Iran that they were battling literally outside in eyesight of the Tehran Gates. And the Iranians had to resort to Islamicists and teenage suicide bombers. But they survived. And they defeated Iraq. They defeated the West. They maintained their their territory. From that point, they culturally transformed from the the free-spirited, free-wheeling modern Iranian society that they were becoming some say even Judaized society back into an Islamist and radically conservative caliphate based on war a war council, a war state of mind paranoia reigns supreme Because the Ayatollah took near deified prophethood in terms of the savior for the Iranian and, in essence, Muslim orthodoxy. This was the beginning of the second Iranian Persian Empire. This was ultimately what started this whole road because they started funding in Iran-like Texas May be a regional power and it may be ignored in the face of greater alliances and various powers, trade groups, merchants, alliances, whatever. We're never really in the news. We're misunderstood. We're underestimated. But we're self sufficient. Our culture is strong. Our sense of national identity and purpose is strong and it has enough natural resources like we all we both do both oil and gas and a geopolitical border along the straits of hormuz the trade post to really affect the entire world mm-hmm. its opposition against the united states and israel is legendary but before this moment in the 1980s it was an enemy of the soviet union And it still was leading into the fall of the Soviet Union. It was an enemy of communism. But once that fell, it became a friend to Russia. It became a friend to China. As America and Israel began to see the Muslim population of the Middle East as the prime target for the next series of aggressive wars of resources... Both as revenge against the failure of their earlier plots and as a culmination of these plots, which were enacted in the British Empire during the Lawrence of Arabia era, to totally control and dominate the populations through MK Ultra Trauma, to destroy their independent sovereignty, to destroy their ability to self and to exist only as a charitable case as territories controlled by our colonies and our militaries as a military empire. They started seeing the grim reality that was present. The massive loss of life that within 20 years were at number six million. Muslims killed in the global war on terror in the Middle East. That would see first the direct military occupation by the United States and then a proxy war from 2012 onward where the Western and and Israeli-created ISIS would begin to ravage and wage a holy war, jihad, against them Total war involving slavery, uh, weaponized rape, uh, killing of children, targeting of civilian populations under the Wahhabist banner of ISIS, which was created and funded by the SAS, the CIA, and uh, Mossad, Israelis Mossad. In these two decades, you also see the fall of Libya, the fall of Muhammad Gaddafi, which in many ways was the balancing force to Iran in the East and the Occident was Muhammad Gaddafi's new liberal, modern, secular, pan-Africanism, or reformed, modernized Islamicism. With Muammar Gaddafi out of the picture, with Saddam Hussein dead, and those two regimes ended, Iran found itself the sole existing anti-Western superpower in the Middle East. The last surviving sole supporter of global terrorism or anti-Western, anti-Israeli, Militaries in the Middle East. Together with the Chinese, with the Russian arms dealers, with the organized crime cartels, they take over the drug trade. This this after two thousand eleven, after Muhammad Gaddafi's death, Iraq's already fallen. They take over the the Middle Eastern drug trade. Dealing in Captagon, dealing in heroin, dealing in all this. uh, cocaine, dealing in all of it, collecting the money, collecting all the funding for their for their militaries, gaining experience creating a monolithic shadow society they start training and funding and supplying weaponry to the various organizations that are fighting ISIS including Hamas and Hezbollah they gain so much war experience not only against the United States itself NATO itself but by ISIS itself within these 20 years they gain so many recruits within these 20 years. They gain so much local expertise and support in these 20 years with things like the victory of Syria against ISIS in the Western-backed mercenary, nation, mercenary wars in Syria and in Lebanon or in Iraq at the same time. They get the support of the Iraqi government, the new Iraqi government. All this is lining up. Remember, they already have pre-existing alliances with Russia, who are now, since 2014, openly enemies of the United States, NATO, and the West, and the EU. They start orchestrating the refugees, the pan-African refugeeism, flooding the Europeans, destabilizing their economy civilly, internally. This is 100% orchestrated. This is 100% part of the strategy. They start developing very close ties with international weapons dealers. Start upgrading their technology. The Iranians are getting into supercomputers. They have everything that the West does. And they're patient. And now almost three decades since the 1980s war Oh no, sorry. Four decades into into this strategy. Since the 1980s war with Iraq that started it all the stars align basically in terms of the opportunities because the west has never never been weaker with its failed and massively unpopular governments basically resulting in the lowest military participation ever and the lowest morale domestically ever with the worst economy ever And with Russia having allied itself with Iran, fully knowing the strategy and seeing the writing on the wall that when Russia begins its demilitarization program, its special military operation, its denazification of the Ukraine in 2022, which was a process developing since 2014. And Iran had been supplying military mercenaries, military equipment, military intelligence on the matters since then, knowing full well what was going on, lockstep, support. That the time, the test of the West was at hand. And within one calendar year, the West absolutely had failed. They had bankrupted many of their nations. They had wasted their entire ammo supply of NATO and the EU, who are supporters of Israel. Who would have, if, in any other case, if Hamas had, in Iran... And Hezbollah and all the allies of the Syrian army and uh, Taliban, etc. If they had all grouped up together and attacked Israel, they would have failed because of NATO support, because of the USA support, in a perfect world, in a perfect world, because of the Israeli training, etc. Because of the public psychological operations, the vertical and the horizontal. Yes, but this is not a perfect world. This is the real world. And let me explain. So the the events as they're unfolding. Well, first, 2020, 2022, 2021, right? Especially those very important years. Trump gets unelected, so Trump is no longer officially able to lead the army or rally the United States citizens or support Israel as a president. The sitting president, Biden. Loses Afghanistan, transitions out of hands to the Taliban, as was negotiated during Trump. As was humiliating due to the ineptness of the of the cabinet, basically, and transitioning power and the military regime internally switching power between bureaucrats and generals who supported the leftist Democrats versus the conservative MAGA uh, Republicans, and causing a massive disarray that was fully taken advantage of by the public relations of the Taliban, the propaganda of the Taliban, and it was a humiliation like Vietnam in in leaving uh, thousands of even U.S. citizens behind uh, during the evacuation, right? It was a shit show. But basically, the damage was also already done. The Taliban had defeated, officially defeated, the United States after 20 years of war. This emboldened the Islamic world and the anti-Western world and you see more and more protests arising. From 2019 onward, there's a lot of protests. This is already going on. This is, increases it around the world. You see the Syrian Assad uh, regime basically attaining ceasefire and having achieved its victory by 2022 So now you have the Taliban in Afghanistan, and you have Syrian Assadist anti-Israeli veterans available to train, at least train as advisors, or offer their services as veteran mercenaries, joining Hamas effectively, going undercover via Iran. And their supply network's already there. Oh, and you also have the Yemeni Houthis. The Yemeni Houthi rebels defeated Saudi Arabia in the most forgotten, obscure, and worst war in human history, in modern human history, the Saudi Arabian War against Yemen. It was an atomic war that the Yemeni rebels won with AK-47s and barefoot child soldiers. The Saudi Arabians were using nuclear weapons against the Yemenis and the Yemenis still won. They faced starvation. They faced a technologically overwhelming enemy and they faced complete mass media silence. They had no public support and they were classified as terrorists by the United States of America which they even fought their Navy SEALs publicly killing one of them in a massive debacle of a, of a hostage rescue that happened in Yemen 100% the Yemeni rebels are involved in this training, advising providing motivational support um, providing even their own fighters for they are both allied to Iran and deeply deeply wish the destruction of Israel So, you have all these forces. You have the Libyans who are, want to revenge uh, Muhammad Gaddafi by attacking the, the Israelis in the West and the, the NATO nations and their support of the West. You have, the, in the United States, you have um, Arab extremists from North Africa and uh, the Middle East, you have Far East Asia. Uh, people who have suffered under ISIS, Muslims populations who have suffered under ISIS, Muslim populations who have uh, vowed to attack Israel as mercenaries uh, for uh, their crimes and their, their actions against the Islamic world, the caliphate. You have uh, Chechnyans, Dagestanians, Kazakhians, Central Asians, Steppe Asians who are acting as mercenaries, who view Israel as uh, a big reason why things were going on in their society, like the invasion of Afghanistan, for example. You have the Taliban, who hates Israel. Um, You know, you have um, the Syrian army, who have armored calls. Remember, these are not just all loose guerrilla fighters with AK-47s, and that's it. The Syrian Assadists are expert tank drivers and armored vehicle fighters, for example. Armored, armored uh, infantry—they—they they are absolutely capable of leading armored assaults of Soviet-era tanks or whatever you would provide them with. The better, you know, the better equipment, the better they'll do. Uh, Taliban, Taliban are very special forces, mountain guerrillas. They can operate guerrilla warfare as well as uh, form massive assaults with modernized equipment. The West left all of it behind. They left Humvees, they left uh, MP4s, they left um, grenade launchers, they left rocket launchers. The Ukrainians have been selling the weapons and resources, the gear that we've been giving them, on the open market, and it's res- it's found its way to Hamas through Iran, and its control of the Middle Eastern organized crime syndicates, which they control openly, and it provides the shadow support and resources, the money that they controls this whole this whole area from the Mediterranean, the whole Mediterranean, is controlled through Iran, right. Um, you, you see this, like they have drones, they have high tech equipment. The, the wars in 2022 in the Ukraine, the battles that happened between Russia and Ukraine, Russia is their ally. The Russians were victorious. There's no lie about it. They, all that data went to Iran. That battle data is visible to Iran they know what works and what doesn't. They know strategies that are, that are successful against NATO powers, including Israeli-trained soldiers like the Special Forces. They know how to operate loiter munitions, drones, UAVs. They know how to do close fire support and anti-aircraft. They know anti-armor tactics. They know how to create landmines and the usefulness of the booby traps. They have definitely uh, controlled the vertical and the horizontal. They no doubt have AI and supercomputers working alongside to make strategies and run resource management. They no no doubt have uh, as sophisticated logistics measures as, you know, anywhere on Earth does, Uh, if not even better than that, plus hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people acting as both regular and irregular support. This is not a small effort. This is, this is literally The tip of the iceberg This is the beginning of the storm And at this point <clears throat> And at this point To go back The west is the weakest it's ever been The EU has supplied All of it's excess ammunition To the Ukrainians And it hasn't been used already Or sold Their mercenaries, their fighting age men, and their special forces have been deployed, have already been injured, or killed, or are busy, tied up, deployed in missions regarding Ukrainian security. As higher brass, officials, advisors, commanders for hire, trainers, etc. The Americans have the lowest recorded recruitment in military history since they started taking those records. Because America's morale is at the lowest it's ever been post-COVID. Post-Trump and post-COVID. 75% of the American population is ineligible to even enlist in the lowest-ranking elements of the military. Army, Marine Corps, Navy, whatever. 75% are ineligible because of criminal records, mental illness, obesity, uh, affiliations of extremist groups, whatever. Right? Like, that's a fact. If three out of four people can't even participate in the military... How is the West going to uh, rally the troops, even if it decides to draft, to match the hundreds of thousands of men that it's going to need to run a war on two fronts, either through the support of the Ukraine against Russia... And the Middle Eastern uh, fronts with Israel and against Hamas. So it can't, it actually can't spare any troops, especially frontline soldier troops, because it simply does not have any, let alone enough to operate in 120 plus nations and 800 plus military bases, to operate 150 naval ships, to operate um, 4,000 aircraft that are currently flying in operations and to operate all the ground crews necessary for that, to operate its internal logistics situations, recruitment centers, hospitals, um, you know, ex- prisons, etc., etc., etc. Right? Like, the army is simply stretched to the bone. And it is starving to death when it comes to manpower. It can throw money at situations, But it only had 3,000, maybe 4,000 special operations forces, veterans out of the entire military to offer. And many of those have already been deployed or are being heavily trained as advisors, et cetera, to operate in the Ukraine against the Russians. Now, a lot of, they said men are not video game characters. You can operate for about 120 days in combat, Uh, then you start suffering PTSD, it's irreversible. It's already known as an operator, it's called operator syndrome. Um, you, will, you will absolutely be required by, Amer- by American military medical standards to take, uh, you know, leave and, and to then go back into recycle, decompress, go to training, etc. And even then, it's a constant cycle of rotation. These men have to be trained for years. The process is extremely rigorous. If 7 out of 10 men were failed this this recruitment process in the heyday, in the prime of military enlistment of the volunteer army, even now it's fewer. So so requirements have to be lowered. Expectations have to be lowered. Abilities are lowered. Um, and, and this is where it becomes what the modern military is. It's a bunch. It's a fraction of what it is. It's a bunch of fake Warriors who are more trained to be corporate assets to push uh, political agendas uh, than to actually uh, win wars, kill the enemy, and, uh, you know, die doing it. This is not Vietnam, even. in Vietnam, America's will and resolve to do this. We had to legally draft people. We had to literally draft people against their will to go fight in Vietnam as grunts, because we had to conscript people. We had to use prisoners. They offered... Many people don't forget this, that the Marine Corps used to offer people options if they were in prison just to join the Marine Corps to get out of jail if they were young enough. They, they dropped that because what they were producing was murderers and rapists who could kill and rape better in foreign lands. The thing is that's because of the PR campaign, the political correctness of making a modern superhero police force out of your military. We can't have both. It's either an army of deranged psychopathic killers or an army of sissies who can't win wars. And America decided sissies who can't win wars uh, because, one, it's more money if you can't win the wars, and two, a weaker military can't junta you, can't revolt when they realize how bad you're fucking them over with their bad strategies and bad equipment. America's military is funded by the lowest bidder. It's it's supplied by the lowest bidder. Those weapons are literally as cheap as you can possibly make them and as as bad as they can get away with in terms of quality. The idea of the American Superman, the super military is over since the global war on terror. They Men know how to kill Americans. Soldiers know how to kill Americans. International fighters know how to kill Americans. All Islamists train to fight American armor, to fight American helicopters, to fight American uh, air power, to fight American naval power, to fight American soldiers, Marines. Um, The idea that people are intimidated by America, especially after our extremely bad showings in the global war on terror and the defeat against the Taliban, and um the defeat in the Ukraine and the lack of intimidation of in Russia i mean that's just delusional that's just fucking delusional you drink the Kool-Aid level delusional if you think that anyone is afraid of america in terms of oh america's going to attack you that's going to prevent you and like you know and shape your political like you know identity and stuff is being afraid of america no uh, Americans are welcome to war because they know that they're going to lose. Americans haven't won a war since since uh, World War II. And even then that was a full lie. Full and complete lie, World War II was. Right? Absolute bullshit. Um, and so in many cases, Americans are just the British Empire. We've been in full Empire collapse for you know 75 years. America, in many of its cases, is already a, a falling... Uh, a dying tree you know we can still provide the shade around the world to our to the people who, who use our, our branches and stuff, our, our resources but we're running out we, there's no new growth there's just the pre-existing growth it's just what's already here there's no new growth in our military we have the 800 bases that we will eventually just lose as our full shadow empire once it's brought to the light quickly evaporates when it's asked to justify its funding, when it's asked to justify its its resource expenditure, when it's asked to, to audit itself, it always can't account for trillions and trillions of dollars of deficit, of budget expenditures, of black budget programs. It researches this high technology like stealth hypersonic space planes and missiles, yet can't win land battles against rebels with AK-47s, and hasn't been able to do so in any war since Vietnam, Korea, um, the Middle East GWAT wars, uh, Serbia, Kosovo. It can't decisively win these conflicts because it does not actually have an army. It has jets, it has bombs, it has satellites, it has GPS, it has submarines, it has aircraft carriers, it has uh, deep underground military bunkers with holographic radar screens where commanders can see real time battle information and everybody's all like hooked up to these different sensors and cyber. It has maybe a standing army of uh, 100,000 people, 200,000 people maximum and even those are more logistically oriented, more support oriented, people who take care of trucks, the mechanics, air crew, ship crews, base crews, support, people who drive trucks, etc. Then you get your artillery mid and your indirect fire support, your radio people, your operations specialists, your officers, uh, you know, etc. Then you got your doctors, your medics, your, your you know, journalists, etc. Then you got your door kickers, your war fighters with your IQs of 70 with uh, people straight out of high school. And they're getting weaker and smaller in number every day. Now you got people who have, uh, who are nearsighted, asthmatic. They, them, transgender, confused, uh, mostly foreigners from Latin America, who are trying to meet the physical exercise requirements, the physical standards, the PT standards, uh, to even get into the army, and having those need to be lowered and lowered every year in obesity terms, in in you know number of pushups being lowered, etc. Because the, the literal people who enlist cannot meet those standards. And we are just lying to ourselves as a nation. We are lying to ourselves that think that the United States is actually a fearsome military. And it's not. It cannot win a war with the soldiers it has. It does not have actual war fighters. The men, America does have men to do that. America has a huge number of working class men. 300 million men actually. Uh, or 150 million men out of 300 million people. But most of them, like I said, disqualified from military service, segregated against against the caste system that exists in the Western world, that's propagated by the nation of Israel as well. Although they'll take our tax dollars, they'll take our tax dollars to fund this shit. But intentionally, the military is intended to only employ 18 to 22, 18 to 24 to 26 year olds. If you're twenty-six in the military, you're old. You're fucking old. If you're thirty, you're fucking old. You're a salty old fuck. If you're 30 years old in the military, let alone 40 and 50, because you retire after 20 years. That means you could join at the age of 20 and retire at the age of 40, full benefits, full benefits. The only reason you're in is because you still want to go to work. The military is not for experience. It's not for for the old men that are necessary to lead nations with strategic visions the military is run as a corporation, a bureaucracy that is controlled by the military industrial corporate interests, which operate through the Pentagon and Freemasons that run the services like small promotions. Like they're the ones in charge of promotions, they're the ones in charge of key uh, cl- placements, uh, orders, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They run the small everyday shit, the secret societies, the Freemasons, the internal gangs, the cliques, etc. The different cultures of the Air Force, the Navy, the different rituals, the different groups that are therein. Whereas the main generals, the main people, they're getting their orders from politicians and big business. They're not strategists, they're not strategists, they're not military fighters. They're trying to sorry, they're trying to defend morons who are seeking to rape and enslave the world. These, they, 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 the military defends the sociopaths of Epstein Island, basically. And once they actually stop and think about it, and almost invariably they all turn, they all betray the military, they all get a conscience, they get a heart, they break free, and they offer their services typically, sometimes to the former enemies of the United States, or they become spiritually motivated at that point, they become born again, and they realize that the Americans were terrorists. The Americans were the great Satan that the Islamist enemy in the Great Civil War on Terror uh, truly said it was. They see that it is modern Babylon, and it's seeking to enslave, by force, um, the true faithful people of the Church of Abraham. In this case, the the, Islam, the Muslims. And the land of Palestine and stuff. And they see that for what it is. They see that the Israeli Mossad is in charge of Epstein Island level shit. And that's another element. The Mossad. The Mossad was supposed to be the super fearsome intelligence agency that was supposed to prevent this through shock and awe and MKUltra and assassinations. Realize that in the last 40 years, since the iraq iran war, the Mossad has never really had to defend itself. Thus, the people who really were sharpened through the years retire, Uh, the job becomes extremely unmotivated, and where the attention goes, goes not to the common man, but to the kings of the earth. Mossad had great intelligence, blackmail, and infiltration of people like Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Uh, Bill Clinton, the Clintons, they had uh, Obama, they had all the stuff through Epstein Island, all the celebrities, they had all the news people, they had all the journalistic entities, they had all the big business, the technocrats, Silicon Valley, they had them all. The kings of the world, they had literally the Fortune 500 circle, all the G8 nations, all the EU leaders, they had them all. Because that provides international Support that provides international funding that makes the little nation of Israel seem like a superpower that's loved by Germany, loved by the UK, loved by America, loved by Canada, loved by all the world because it has so much blackmail and intelligence services controlling their media and their own politicians and stuff pulling the strings already talked about this with uh, Alex Jones Alex Jones being a product of Stratford, etc that who you think are your friends are actually people who are allied to them who operate as their foreign agents uh, in America and internationally in the same way so what that their blind spot if they focus their one open eye on that, ...segment of society, that caste of society, the rulers, is they are blind to the movements of the invisible, those they think are subhumans, those they think they are better than, those that think they are harmless because they have been dominated and are enslaved, the very Palestinians that they had forced into Gaza, the very two million, three million people that they had forced to live in a walled, open prison. They had stripped all of their rights away from them and thus they thought they were harmless when in reality they had guaranteed them to be their worst nightmare. The classic mistake Victory defeated Mossad in terms of when they started dominating and exerting racist apartheid measurements, they immediately ceased to fear and respect the Palestinians as an opponent and start thinking them as a conquered nation. And little is further from the truth. The, The Palestinians rose up in international political respect to be able to have a representative in the United Nations, and by 2022, had declared, or had the United Nations declare Israel as a racist apartheid state. Now the world, when they were actually, the intellectual world, the world that's actually awake, the world that actually watches political documentaries for the last 10 years, could not deny, and in fact became an, uh, Thinking it was cool. They started popularizing Free Palestine. The Palestine Liberation Movement. Palestine Immortal. And they started promoting with celebrities, with popular music, with NGOs, with organizations, with rallies, etc. Documentaries, movies, news stations. uh, Like RT and Telesur started running uh, campaigns for it. Uh, the comedian like polit- political comedians started talking about it like John Stewart like uh, Lee camp um, this started becoming the hip talking point was how I- evil Israel is and how noble and justified Palestine is Oliver Stone went to the Middle East and did a documentary series where he talked to the Palestinian uh, Hamas fighters and agreed with them on camera that they were defending their families and way of life in the American dream sense of the word, the American revolution sense of things, that Americans fight for liberty, that Americans fight for the underdog against the oppressor, that Americans fight against colonization and against racism, that Americans fight for freedom. And this was from Oliver Stone, And I don't think you get any more mainstream counterculture, secret Zionist type, whatever the hell you want to call him, Illuminati, Hollywood insider, political influencer than that. You know, I think it's a matter of fact like uh, Jesse Ventura supports Israel, uh, Palestine, supports the people of Palestine, understands that Israel is the one provoking this. With their massive betrayal of human rights and freedom. This is not a fool's opinion. This is not an extremist opinion. This is the American counterculture truther opinion. This is not opinion handed from the very top down to support Palestine. This is an opinion handed to you from your own heart. So now that you have the UN Council resolution supporting them, uh, the Human Rights Watches, Amnesty International groups, the anthropologists saying that Israel is committing an apartheid action, a racist apartheid action, you have nations like Russia and China being able to legitimately support them. You have the nations of the UN being obliged to support Hamas in Palestine. And now you have the perfect moment to strike. If you're the Iranian Grand Commander, if you're the if you're the supreme strategist of Iran and their anti-Western, anti-Israel strategy, you see that in 2023, after the UN pieces uh, aligned with the uh, free liberator uh, mercenary armies of the Taliban and the Houthi rebels' success and the Syrian Assad's success and Iraq's success against ISIS, you see that the Ukrainian war has spent the West's money. The U.S. is broke. The U.S. has wasted all its ammo, all its men uh, trying to do the impossible, which was uh, create a Ukrainian victory against the Russians to support Nazis. You know, you see Israel even supporting Nazis, openly supporting Nazis of the Azov Battalion. You see this shit going on. You see the United States falling apart, literally, day by day, internally. Its economy causing its civilians to basically reject and hate their own government. You see the UK with the same situation. You see Germany with the same situation. You see Israel with the same situation of civil war people protesting internally, all of that lines up to make the perfect moment to strike, to begin the war that ends all wars, to begin the Battle of Armageddon. This has no beginning no, nor no end, but has been set in motion generations ago. And will play out for generations more. But history is already written. Where the Antichrist nations will meet their defeat. When Jesus Christ returns with the kingdom of heaven and the heavenly host. To do battle against the Antichrist and when the Antichrist and his armies are completely destroyed to rule the world in God's image forever peacefully abiding on the earth which is humanity's home as created by God now rightfully restored in the hearts and souls of all people. Amen.